your beautiful hide wherever you may be. We ain't met yet, but I'm willing to bet you're the gal for me. Morning, ma'am. Morning. Bless your beautiful hide, you're just as good as lost. I don't know your name, but I'm mistaken my claim, lest your eyes is crossed. Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslin. I'm David Daw. And this week, we watched the third of the 1954 nominees. The musical Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And it was not amazing. Actually, it is amazing. (laughs) Just for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) Yeah, no, this movie is too bonkers to bingle Lancer, but it is certainly shitty enough. (laughs) Like, it's like... Yes, It is a bad movie with bad morals, done badly, with bad acting. But, like, it is also just so fundamentally insane. (laughs) The core plot of this thing is, like, well, honestly, one, there's four core plots to this thing. It just sheds them every 15 minutes. But the one you spend the most time on is... A bunch of dudes kidnap all the girls from the local town that they like as the way to get them to marry them. And that works. And God, God, this movie. Right. Inspired by a story from ancient Rome, which is the rape of the Sabine women, which in the context of the story is not rape in the sexual assault way, though I'm sure that that probably did happen but they were abducted by classical romans <laughs> to be wives because they didn't have enough women in whatever place they were in yeah i mean wow. and the music is not good like no. it's remarkable that there is not a single song in this musical where i feel like there's a musical number basically every 5 minutes or so that is the kind of song that lets a good singer really shine. There's no 11 o'clock number. Like, who the fuck wrote this music? It's terrible. (laughs) It is so awful. It is such a return to the structure of 1930s musicals that we watched, but way worse. Yes. Like, this does the fucking Broadway melody thing of playing the first song over and over and over again, except the song that they play over and over and over again. And this one is bless your beautiful hide, which fuck, I hate that song. (laughs) And like, God, it's awful. And it's barely a song. And the worst part is it's barely a song in that way where it gets stuck in your head because it is barely a song. Yeah, yeah. Because you're like, well, bless your beautiful hide. I bet there's other words. This song (laughs) is about something, I bet. Maybe it goes like this. Bless your beautiful hide. Like, that's the entire fucking song. Yeah, it's, it's really not great. The musical numbers in this feel like they are satirizing like Rodgers and Hammerstein. (laughs) But, you know, were they even big enough at that point that there would be a satirization of that? Well, and also, it's not satire. It's just bad. That is the thing. 
it often tips over into what ought to be parody, but it has so little control of itself that the only time I'm like confident I'm supposed to find this funny is Lonesome Polecat which is the song where all of the brothers are so sad they can't get laid that they're just lazily doing all their chores to the beat during the winter, which is extremely <laughs> funny. It's extremely funny that a bunch of like manly lumberjack men are like doing these like big sighing dance numbers with an axe in their hand. It is actually hilarious. And like if the whole thing was that, and I was confident it wanted to be that, then that would be a movie. And instead, God, I guess we should talk about the plot. There's so little before the kidnapping of the women. I mean, there's so little after, too. (laughs) Yeah. A a guy comes to town and says, like, I decided I'm going to come home with a bride immediately sees a girl named Millie and proposes to her, and she's like, well, I'm an idiot, so sure. (laughs) She thinks that they're going to live alone on their farm, and then they get to his farm, and he has six brothers, each of which is basically indistinguishable from him, who is a dipshit. So there are these seven (laughs) dipshits she now has to take care of. And when we say indistinguishable, they also are all redheads. Yes. And they are all named after people in the bible except for frank who is named after frankincense because his mom couldn't find an f name in the bible yep and his thing is that whenever anybody says his actual name he starts punching them in the face and the other brother's thing is that they will just start randomly punching people in the face for no reason yes (laughs) there's a lot of haymakers in this movie (laughs) So Millie is like, I'm going to get all you boys under control. And then that's vaguely the plot for like 20 minutes is she's going to start this pyramid scheme to get these terrible brothers out of the fucking house by making other women marry into this terrible family that everyone should hate. But then that goes wrong because Adam, her actual husband, is the worst and is like, I don't know why you're letting her do all this sissy stuff to you. You should just punch people in the face in front of all the women you like and then those women don't like them anymore shocking yeah and then he's like let me tell you about this book that i read badly (laughs) and what romans did is that they just kidnapped women and like forced them to have babies with them and then all the women were like hey we've got to stay with these guys now they are the fathers of our children And they're like, this is a great idea, and go kidnap all the women from town, and then cause a avalanche in the past, stranding all of them in their farm for the winter. And then all the women get Stockholm Syndrome, and then everyone lives happily ever after. Also, Millie is pissed about this, so... Adam goes and lives in the trapping cabin for the whole winter? While she takes care of six women who have just been kind of dropped in her lap, all of the brothers have to go live in the barn. Oh, and then Millie has a baby, which is how I guess they convince Adam to come back. Yeah, like, here's the thing. The setup where Adam goes away is so much work for the thing where 
all the brothers, of course, now removed from Adam can start having a like healthier, more consensual relationship with these women. And then that doesn't fucking happen. All the women are just horny because they're fucking stuck in a cabin all winter. And they're like, I'm going to fuck these guys, I guess. And then that's the thing that gets all the couples together. Like, no work is done to reform any of the guys for a single instant. Yeah, I mean, like, they are making eyes at them by the day after. Yeah. There's a musical number, because, of course, there is, that involves, you know, each of the girls, like, pretending to flirt for five seconds and then, you know, hitting them with snowballs with rocks in the middle or something. And then the next day, they're just, actually flirting with them yeah immediately but yeah then like the actual ending is millie has her kid and the people from town come to hang all the brothers which correct good reaction good looking out town but then they can't identify who millie's child belongs to and all the girls claim it's theirs because they want to fuck these awful men so much. So they all get shotgun married. And that's the happy end to this terrible movie. <laughs> oh, God, it's so bad. It's so bad. And the thing is, like, the first half of it is weird and completely fucking unbelievable. But, like, fine. So is musical theater generally. Yeah. And then you have this hard turn, which is the musical number The Sobbin' Women, because play on Sabine and women crying because they've been abducted yeah. is cute. It's not cute. It's really fucking not cute. That whole song, every word that Adam sings, I'm like, Oh, okay, like, we have now tipped over into, like, this is fucking triggering territory. Uh, yeah, like, it is... <sighs> to me, the last time anything entertaining happens is, well, the Lonesome Polecat song. And, like, that is an hour into this hour 40-minute movie. That's also before they kidnap the women. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that's what I'm saying is that this weird thing happened where I, like, checked around then and was like, wow, we're already 56 minutes in. And there's, like, we're over halfway through this movie. And then the thing about the Sobbin' Women is it initiates this period of Zeno's paradoxing the rest of the fucking movie. <laughs> where, like, the next 10 minutes takes 30. The 10 minutes after that seems to take an hour. The 10 minutes after that seems to take a day away from my life. Yeah, like, and yet when we actually get to the end, it is so abrupt that it, yeah. it, it feels incredibly unearned, which is a thing that actually happens very often in this film, where people will be in the middle of a conversation and like there's not even enough of a musical instrumental lead in before they launch into song and it's incredibly jarring. Everything about the pacing of this film is off. It is either too fast or too slow or just nonsensical. And again, like, musical theater, I get it. It's weird. Time is very strange in musical theater. Something may be, like, three weeks between musical numbers and then you'll have five of them in the space of, you know, in-universe an hour. I get it. But, like, this is the worst example of it, which is why it feels sometimes like a parody of 
these other 1950s musicals that were problematic in sometimes the same and sometimes different ways. But this feels so extreme that it doesn't feel real. And I don't mean like the setup of the movie doesn't feel real. It feels like the naked gun of 1950s musicals, but not as smart. Yeah, this is actually a thing that a lot of bad musicals do, though this is the most severe case of it I've ever seen, where when you're making a musical, you know that reality in your musical is somewhat elastic. For instance, everyone is going to start singing and dancing at some point. And they're all going to be great at it. (laughs) But the thing that people who aren't good at making musicals don't realize is you need some kind of consistency in the way your universe is elastic. It needs to be kind of elastic in the same direction each time. And every time reality breaks in this, it breaks in a completely different fucking direction. Mm, And you're like, did they mean to do that? What's happening? Why are they, do they know, do do they know he's just sitting in a tree? Do they, (laughs) do they know that he's just sitting in a tree while she does a big musical number about love? Does that, is that, is that a thing the movie is aware is funny? Yes. I mean, I don't think it, I'm agreeing with you. No, I don't think that they do. I mean, and there is hardly any character consistency or development or anything. It's just like, what will push this completely absurd plot forward? Like, that Millie is this person who is definitely going to stand up to people at the first available opportunity and also is someone who is deeply in love with this guy that she met who asked her to marry him within like 30 seconds of meeting her. Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it sure is something. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. The real centerpiece of this movie too, which is interesting to me, is a barn raising scene. But it's right before the barn raising, which, you know, you really realize how boring it must have been to live in the frontier as colonizers when, like, the big social event of this season is everybody pushes some wall frames toward each other. (laughs) That scene is also the, like, big coming out of, like, she has taught all these boys to be gentlemen. And, like, there is absolutely a thing where I I did think, like, there's a weird kind of realism to all of them now knowing how to dance incredibly well, only because their life must have been so boring. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, like, what else are they doing when they're not, yeah, exactly. you know, chopping wood or whatever? Um, but the scene right before the actual raising of the barn, which does descend into a haymaker fest of madness is this just eternally long couples dance number and i realized that my tap dancing like you know david how you don't love tap dancing yeah mine is partner contra dancing i watched this scene and for some reason was just seething through the whole thing. Like, when is this ever gonna fucking end? And, like, the people dancing are definitely talented. I just could not be less entertained. (laughs) Here's the thing, and I think this really contributes to it, is I think the movie shares your opinion of partner contra dancing (laughs) 
because it's always trying to fucking jazz it up. There's some reason why you're just not watching just some people dancing. Now they're dancing on some planks of wood. Now they're doing some weird, like... They're jump roping with an axe. Arm wrestle fight. Yeah. The movie is like giving you 12 seconds of partner dancing. And then it's like, we know it's boring. Don't worry. Now a guy's jumping over an axe. And you're like, what the... Like, just do... Choreograph a full fucking number. Maybe I will grow to like it over the course of five minutes. (laughs) Instead of like these 12 second snippets of that was nothing. Because... Uh, yeah, I will say that I think so. The acting in this movie is, as far as the brothers are concerned, is I would say universally terrible. Yeah, no, they're they're all awful. It's still on a scale of terrible, but it never tips over into no. This guy's like he's doing something. It's just how absolutely unbelievable and uninhabited their characters are. <laughs> like at what level? I will say that the brides are doing some real work with very few moments other than Millie on screen to at least be people. And maybe it is because they get so little screen time (laughs) that they're allowed to just be something. It's like, okay, Julie Newmar is in this and she's sort of a, a... I don't know, like, Betty Page type? She is psychotically horny. Yes. And as such is the only vaguely realistic performance given the universe she's in. (laughs) Like, she is the only one giving a performance that makes any fucking sense for what is happening to her and her reaction to it. And it is that, like, she is Catwoman. That is what is happening here. See, I feel like Catwoman is less horny than Dorcas <laughs> Galen, who is just Betty Page in 1800s Oregon. Like, down to the haircut. Her hair is dark and she has, like, the little short bangs. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, and I think Alice is, like, you know, kind of the sweet, youngest, rather naive kind of girl. And there's, you know, the other ones whose names you never really know are fine i guess one of them is sort of blonde and like uh, obviously boy crazy but not horny in the way that dorcas is yeah she is the one that i think of as doing you know when there's an extra in something and you know that extra thinks they're gonna get discovered like because they just kind of keep like making eyes and like trying to get the camera to like follow them she kind of does that but trying to eye the boys yes she never really has anything to do but in every shot she's like I am using my whole body to look like I'm trying not to obviously stare at boys. Yes. Which, like, again, fits for this universe where no one has ever heard of the word subtlety. No, no, not at all. But it's interesting that the brothers never take on any kind of identifying qualities other than, like, Adam, the oldest one, who we see first and so we know which one he is. The youngest one, because he is clearly younger than the rest of them. And the one with the mustache, who's supposedly the second or third brother, but looks to be 15 years older than everyone else in this film. Yeah, it is absurd. Then there's two of them who are like different versions of cartoon pilot. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh yeah, that's just like a big 
football player looking handsome white guy generically but with dyed red hair (laughs) and like a funnier better movie could make a bit out of all the brothers being utterly indistinguishable exactly like a better funnier movie could notice that the youngest brother has the plot line of like catching feelings and trying to figure out what he's gonna do about just having a girl he likes but that's the plot of all the fucking brothers so it'd be really funny if they kept getting confused about which brother was doing this <laughs> that just every time adam came back to give advice he used giving advice thinking he's talking to the same brother and he absolutely is not but like that is a level of care this movie just isn't taking with anything it is so clearly like let's make a musical that's a can't lose proposition and apparently it fucking is because like people still try and defend this dog shit movie it has a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's the thing that blows <sighs> my mind. As of 2006, AFI named it one of the best American musical films ever made. Which, what? <laughs> like, here's the thing. Even with the incredibly fucking egregious gender politics of this film removed even if we're not looking at that it's still not good like the music sucks yeah the acting is bad the dance is the best part of it but also becomes incredibly repetitive and there's no variation to it the costumes are the kind of thing that i would make with a really really bad budget for somebody if i got hired for it where it's like okay well All the townspeople dress in neutrals and then the brothers wear brightly colored shirts, which distinguishes them as, like, being fun and not uptight, I guess. Whatever. Though I will say that the one song where all of the brides have their own musical number in the attic or whatever where they sleep in the house, where they're all in their bloomers and camisoles and corsets, they look cute. Like, that's a cute choice, I guess. It's it's not really racy, but it's like, wink, wink, 1900s racy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the best bit of costuming in the movie. But, I mean, that's damning with faint praise, because that's an easy one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, like, I thought you were going to try and speak up for June Bride, the song they sing after that. No, that song is dog shit. That song, (laughs) like, every song in this fucking sucks. Like, I would defy not just people who watched it, but people who performed it to tell me two lines of that song. (laughs) And, like, that's true of almost every song in this. A June Bride is a bride all her life. There you go. I only remember that because one, it's repeated numerous times, is like the thesis of the song and also makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Right. I guess my question is like, name the line after that. No idea. At any point in the song. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Every song in this is like, bless your beautiful hide, June bride. You remember the like title line of the song. Go and court. Go and court. Any other words from Go and Courtin Blank. are just like ba da 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 on Barnes, I guess. <laughs> like, th- <sighs> and Go and Courtin actually introduces the idea of the horrible gender politics of this movie. Yeah, she'll cry, but you know you should still try to kiss her or something. I think, 
but it was largely erased by how fucked up Sobbin Women was. Which is basically just the same idea and like the same setting and the same structure. Nothing in this is good at all. It is hilariously bad at a number of times, like the Lonesome Polecat song where they are so clearly on a soundstage with like fake snow falling. And like two of the brothers have one of those saws where like people are on either end and they're just like really morosely going back and forth. Like, it's, I don't know, it's just incredibly ridiculous. Doing sad logging (laughs) is inherently funny. Yes! Honestly, logging with any kind of an affect is funny. (laughs) Like, yeah. I don't think they meant it to be, though. Like, I'm supposed to, I think, feel for them that they all have crushes on these girls and don't think it's going to work out for question mark reasons, I guess, because they all got in a fight at the barn raising. Yeah. I Yeah. I, yeah. I don't really know what else is there to say here. It's bad. But also, like, maybe watch it. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Never watch this. Never. <laughs> Do not watch this film. Oh, man. So the AFI's greatest movie musicals is 25 musicals only. Okay, I gotta, I've gotta... And this is 21. Uh, yeah, this is, okay. God, it's wild that, like... It's above Showboat and Guys and Dolls. And Beauty and the Beast. And Disney's Beauty and the Beast, which is really good. Yeah. (laughs) What? And, like, once you put Beauty and the Beast in there, you're like, okay, so why is every other Disney whatever... Like, uh, yeah, yeah, this is fucking terrible. This list, this list is extremely bad. Yeah. And, and there's no Broadway melody of any time on it. No. So obviously it is not complete. First of all, absolutely no fool and switch Seven Brides for Seven Brothers out with the Broadway melody of 1933, whichever one was just absolutely insane. Uh, let me see. 36. Yeah, that one. And two, come on, guys. West Side Story at number two. Like, just a classic. We're not going to put the obvious number one at number one just to fuck with you. Pick. Like, don't do not do that. Don't do that shit. I mean, I honestly would argue that Sound of Music, as a, if we're talking the movie, that, like, Sound of Music is better than West Side Story. And I would say The Wizard of Oz is better than West Side Story. West Side Story has, like, I mean, we will get to it in 61, but re-watching it a few years ago, I was like, oh, there's some real big problems with this movie. There is some stuff in West Side Story that has not aged well. That is very true. Singing in the Rain at number one over that, though, does seem kind of weird because it's not whatever. See, if you're going to say, like, Wizard of Oz is a musical, to me, it's more of a movie with music. Yeah. It's pretty front-loaded with musical numbers, and then the rest of it is, like, we're off to see the wizard with like whoever the new character is that they've introduced. <laughs> but I would say like Wizard of Oz is the best of this list. And it's wild to me that it's not there. Also, An American in Paris, not good. Yeah, it's wild how high up the list that is. Yeah. People talk shit about that 2002 Chicago and that's fair. And people really should talk shit about, like, everything Rob Marshall did after that Chicago. But, like, 
That Chicago is significantly better than an American in Paris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, fucking, was it Anchors Away? That was the Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra musical? Yeah. It's better than an American in Paris. And it's- Not on this list, yeah. Nonsensical to an extreme. I would like to have a discussion with the AFI board. They really phoned this one in. I feel like they just sat down and were like, all right, what are, just name some musicals. And it is that time, like 2006 is that time of like, let's just make a list so people can fight about a list. Yes, there was a lot of that. And now politics is that. So that's great. Anyway. Yeah, boy, I would much prefer that we got back to, let's just make a list of movies and then fight about whether or not these movies are actually the hundred best ones. And if they are, if they're in the correct order. Yeah. Just a lot of people who are, it's like, maybe don't vote and instead just say what Spider-Man movie you think is best. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, don't, I would say don't watch this movie. I don't think it has the consistency to be so bad. It's good. I think it's just so bad. It's confusing. That's fair. I honestly don't think that you should watch it either. I do think that it was clear from such an early point in the movie that it was bad that I didn't have as bad of a time watching this as I have some of the other movies we've watched that have been garbage. (laughs) Cause I just wasn't trying to find like, okay, well what's the thing about this that makes it memorable, that makes it something that people still reverence as, you know, a, a great film and something that's enjoyable to watch. I just was like, Oh no, this is bad. This is bad. And people who think this is good have bad tastes. And it's just going to be bad from start to finish. I I think that's, yeah. It was helpful that you watched it first and kind of tipped me off about it. (laughs) I really tried for the first half hour to go like, maybe there's something good in this. And like, uh, you know, my body forcibly yawned when I tried to say that sentence out loud. (laughs) No, um, no, there's nothing good about this. It's bad too. Two, and the only reason it's not a one is it reminded me of the film titled Two Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, because Julie Newmar's in this. That movie title is better than this entire film. Yeah, I'm going to give it a one because it's just really rapey. (laughs) Yeah, you know, yeah. I was doing a bit, but yeah, one. The parts where I was like, yeah, I don't care. This movie is just bad. And then it took a turn where I was like, oh, I'm really fucking uncomfortable. And, you know, it ended up being, like, I don't want to say okay in the end. The violence against women stopped with their abduction. Not the greatest selling point, but at least there was that small mercy. I had missed that even on the Wikipedia page, they're like, okay, here's the color of the shirt they're wearing. That's the only way you're going to tell these motherfuckers apart with the brothers. Yeah, yeah. Daniel, you know, mauve shirt. Mauve shirt. (laughs) They're just in pride flag colors. Yet another way this movie could be way better. They don't go down at all. If they were just gay, yeah. I find it really funny that Wikipedia is like, yes, mauve. And I'm like, um, it's purple, dude. It is. It's purple. Yeah, don't watch this movie. It sucks. If you do watch it, just, you know. Just don't. Content warning that... it is definitely like straight up triggering for sexual assault reasons. Yeah, just don't watch it. 
I guess you could watch the barn raising scene on YouTube and know exactly what the best of this movie is, which is not that good. <laughs> anyway, next week. <laughs> I think next week we are watching the winner. Let me just confirm that. Yeah, I think we're watching on the waterfront. We are, yes. Because it came out like a week after Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Uh, which I have, uh, just from like knowing anything about film history at all, I have a lot of feelings about this film, even though I've never seen it. Because Ilya Kazan was basically snitching on people at this time to the House on American Activities Committee. And apparently there were people who like weren't super happy with him winning for this. Yeah, I don't know about this one. I don't know. We've been liking Brando and stuff. This poster is terrible. The poster is terrible. It looks like Brando is in drag. Yeah. Which I don't, I think is just like bad colorizing of a black and white photo, but he looks like he has on like extremely heavy eye makeup and hot pink lipstick for reasons I don't understand. And then somebody glued two earlier drafts of the poster that they weren't willing to let go of to that bad colorized photo of Brando. Yes. I also don't have any idea what this movie is about. I only know like the surrounding political context. Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of in the same boat. I know that Kazan was an asshole. Yes. And I know that Brando's in it and Brando's supposedly quite good in it. But I also know that, like, hey, at some point we get to Brando's, like, I know a lot of people who kind of think Brando is overrated. And I'm kind of interested to see the point at which he becomes overrated, because I've only seen, you know, two quite good performances out of him. And I don't know. I will be interested to watch him in this movie I do not have high hopes for otherwise yeah i mean he's still pretty young at this point so i don't know if this is going to be the one that like tips over into him being overrated yeah or maybe it's people think he is overrated as like a human because he kind of was a dick (laughs) (laughs) i mean really like he he definitely was but yeah we'll uh get into that (laughs) later on in his career yep Sorry, this became kind of a weird cul-de-sac of stuff that we're going to talk about next week. So, yeah. And until then, I just, (sighs) I think this movie sapped me of my will to live. I think that I had a defensive humor response to it. And now that that has worn off, I'm just exhausted. Yeah, like, this was a qualification for everybody in it to be on an episode of The Love Boat in 20 years. Like, that's that's what this was. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Goodbye. I'm a lonesome pokemon. Lonesome, sad and blue. I ain't got no feminine polecat bowing to be true. Ooh, 